Well, hey everyone, welcome to Westbridge. My name is John Alexander. I'm a pastor at a church here in the, the Twin Cities, and I can promise you I will not be more entertaining than that uh, child dedication. So that was the peak. Now we're just kind of downhill from there. That was incredible. Oh my gosh, that was my favorite moment of the day by far. But <laughs> uh, it's just so good to come and speak here. I've uh, been here several times. Um, Jeremiah has just become a good friend of mine, someone I deeply admire and respect. Both he and his wife, Cherry, are just fantastic pastors and leaders. So I hope you know just how fortunate you are to have pastors um, like them leading the way. But today we are in the fifth week of a series titled, Your Future Self Will Thank You. Is there anything in your life that you wish you could go back and change in your past? <laughs> well, until we master time travel, that's gonna be a tricky problem for us to fix. So here's a different question and what we're trying to ask in this series. What values, what practices can you embrace today that will cause your future self to say, wow, I wouldn't go back and change anything. If you were going to invest now in your future best self, where would you put your time and your energy? And today I want to talk about the relationships that you choose because I want your future self to one day go back and thank your future self or yourself for the relationships that you chose today. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And I think every person, whether a Christian or not, I don't think this negates, anyone is negated from feeling this, knows that relationships matter. They do. We all need close relationships to thrive. We all need close relationships when we face or go through adversity. But one of the challenges that we can have is knowing just how close our friends actually are. Have you ever had someone call you their close friend and you were like, I didn't even know we were average friends, let alone close or good friends, okay? Uh, my friend and coworker Ryan, he developed a scale of friendship that I wanted to share with you. By the way, Ryan graciously allowed me to use some of this content for today's message. We worked on it together, but he, he describes the 10 levels of friendship. And the first level is zip code friends. You know, we're neighbors, nothing less, nothing more. We have our street name in common. And, and you're often thinking like, what's your name again? But you know, that's level one friendship. Level two is Facebook friends. Okay, we have the internet in common. Maybe you're like the third step cousin of someone I went to college with, but you know, we're just Facebook friends. Level three is church friends. Okay, you show up on Sunday mornings and you know, we have Jesus in common. That's a good level of friendship. But level four is I'd risk COVID-19 to be around you friends, okay? <laughs> have you had that friend reach out to you last year? They wanted to get together and you kind of use the COVID excuse like, how about, you know, in 2021, okay? Level five is let's be in each other's wedding friends. I just want you to know this makes you maybe a good friend, but you can be a groomsman or a bridesmaid and you might just be filling a quota. You know that brides might have seven bridesmaids, the groomsmen had five and they're like, okay, who's gonna be six or seven? And you get the call, okay, it's decent level of friendship. Doesn't mean you're great friends, all right? <laughs> level six is you get something for your birthday or Christmas. Friends, this ever happened to you? Someone gets you a gift for your birthday or Christmas and you're like, I, I didn't totally realize we were on that level yet, but now, now you gotta get something them in return. Level seven is bathroom friends. 
Okay, if you've ever been in the bathroom, and, and I know, don't deny this, you bring your phone to the bathroom too, and you see a friend FaceTiming you, I mean, 99% of the time you don't answer. But if you do, you know that's a very close friend, okay? <laughs> Level eight is I can open up your fridge without permission, friends. Okay, because when I have the garage code to your house and can come into your house and just go straight to the fridge without permission, I mean, now we're getting really close. But level nine is loan friends. Because when I can ask you to borrow some money until next Friday, whoo, that takes a lot of trust. That's vulnerability to the core. But the final level, level 10, is jail friends. Okay, this is where we are burying the body together type of friends. <laughs> Ride or die. I mean, we ride together, we die together. We're bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? I mean, these are your loyal friends, the friends that you would bury a body together type of friends, all right? I haven't done that, by the way. I have no friends like that. But as you take this assessment of your current relationships, wherever you find yourself with friends, one of the challenges that we all have, by the way, of finding healthy relationships is this. See, our society applauds being well-rounded over being well-surrounded. Sure, get a new job, go get that degree, make some more money, get that new car, boost your portfolio. People will, you know, applaud that and celebrate that all day long, but no one really ever says, oh, you, you have good friends? I'll applaud that, I'll cheer from that. No, no, no one really does that in culture and society today. Harvard has actually been doing a study of 724 men since 1938. And they have followed and studied their ultimate fulfillment and happiness. All kinds of professions, by the way, all kinds of careers, levels of success. Even a United States president was involved in this study. And they interviewed towards the end of their life their coworkers, families, friends, and they asked this single question, what was the common denominator to true satisfaction and happiness? Well, this isn't going to surprise you, but it all came down to friendships and relationships they still had. But I get it. Uh, it's not easy to find good, healthy friendships. It's not easy to find a brother who will be with you in times of adversity. It's not easy to find that sister who can love you through all times. It's not easy to find a friend who knows when exactly to call you and, and when to not. It's not easy to find a friend who will be there for you when you need it the most. It's not easy to find a friend who's going to make you a better dad, a better mom, a better husband or wife, or just, just a better follower of Christ. It's just not easy to find these. Especially, it seems like in today's world, the older you get, the more unlikely you are to find real, true friends. It's like Solomon who said in Proverbs 20 verse 6, he says, many will say, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one that is truly reliable? How do we find friends that are truly reliable? I don't remember who first said it, but it's been commonly said that you're going to become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you're suddenly thinking, I don't want to be anything like the five people I most associate with, I've got some good news for you. It, it's not too late. You can find strong community. You can develop better friendships. You can find the type of relationships that your future self will one day thank you for. But if you're like me, 
it's easy to point fingers at, at people and say, well, you know, I'd have better friends if, if they were better friends. I mean, if they were actually reliable and cared about me, if they reached out to me, if they were Christ-centered, godly and wise, and I just imagine my friends, I want them to have pockets full of money, you know, to give to me, if they could just support me, be the kind of friend that I've always wanted. I'd have better friends if they were better friends. You ever think that way? And while that may be true, I want to flip that thought upside down today. Because here's the truth. We can't control the measure of friendship we receive, but we can control the measure of friendship that we give. So what kind of friendships do you want? Well, to get to that answer, you first need to answer this question. What kind of friend are we willing to be? The answer to the kind of friendships we want is on the other side of answering what kind of friend are we willing to be. See, the type of relationships that we have in the future hinges on what we're willing to be intentional about today to become the kind of friend that others want to have. Great relationships don't just happen. They require intentionality. So real quick, with the time I got, I, I want to give you four ways that we can be intentional about finding relationships that your future self will thank you for. And the first is this, choose your community wisely. Because let's be real clear, you have a choice in all of this. You don't just have to passively accept who your community is. You can choose. Okay, maybe you can't choose your brother or your cousin or maybe even your mother-in-law at this point. But you can choose your primary community, the, the group of five people you spend the most time with. So choose it wisely. As the Bible talks about, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. That's why we need to choose our community wisely. Influence is powerful. At any given moment, we're either becoming more wise or more foolish. We're constantly being influenced one way or the other, whether we like it or not. Now, I've always been influenced by my friend. I was spending some time thinking about my earliest memories, just thinking back to how early I could remember being influenced. And when I was in third grade at Columbia Valley Gardens Elementary School in Longview, Washington, where I grew up, uh, I was way into sports. You know, I was one of those kids that counted down the seconds until recess, and then I sprint outside to go play football, kickball, or dodgeball, or some sort of combination like tackle, kickball, which, you know, I always thought was brilliant at the time, but always found myself in the principal's office for. Anyways, I was so into sports and, and those types of things that on, on the opposite side of life, I had zero interest in girls. And I'm not talking about like, well, I don't want a girlfriend in third or fourth grade or whatever that means. I, I mean, like, I completely avoided them. I never let them play games with us during recess. And I would literally, I have so many memories, literally cry, bawl my eyes out if someone even suggested I had a friend who was a girl. But something happened in third grade. See, Brady, who was my best friend at the time, told me that he was auditioning for Mikey and Amanda's choir. 
Mikey and Amanda were two girls, cute girls, who were putting together a choir to sing during recess. And, and Brady told me that he was going to try out. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, Brady, why would you ever do? You're going to sing during recess instead of play tackle kickball with me? I mean, what's happening? Did you even know that they're girls? But Brady didn't listen to me. In fact, he actually convinced me because a week later I decided somehow that I too was going to try out an audition. And I can distinctly remember spending time at home, specifically in the bathroom, hiding from my parents, locking the door, working on singing the Free Willy movie theme song by Michael Jackson. (laughs) Hold me like a river. I'm going to spare you. I mean, I can remember, but how did I go? from avoiding girls at all costs to practicing singing this song in the bathroom to then standing in front of these two girls at recess while they were grading me on my singing. How did this happen? Oh, because of Brady, that fool. (laughs) But here's the truth. I mean, whether it's third grade or now I'm 37, I mean, the truth is this for all of us, our friends powerfully influence who we're becoming. Again, this is true of me back in third grade as it is today, and it's true of you. So ask yourself, do you have friends who are influencing you in the way you want to go? Do you have someone you could go to right now if you needed to confide in them? Some secret, some sin you're struggling with, you just needed to talk to someone. Do you have that kind of friend? Do you have a friend you could call at any hour of the day, whether it's two in the afternoon or two in the morning? Do you have a friend who's encouraging you in your relationship with Jesus? Do you have a friend who would tell you the hard truth no matter what it costs them? See, we need those types of friends. So if your current friends aren't those types of people, or at least in your top five, it may be time to reconsider your community. Make sure you choose your community wisely. Second way to find relationships your future self will thank you for, it's to be an influencing friend. Other words, it starts with you. It starts with me. I mean, rather than hoping others become the kind of community you are looking for, first become the kind of person you want to be around first. I mean, it's one thing to be influenced by another person, but if you're going to find great community, you need to be an influencing friend. You need to be someone who is influencing another person in the right direction. It starts with you. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I mean, it's one thing to think, man, it would be great to find friends who make me stronger and better, but it's a whole other challenging level to think I'm going to be the person who sharpens another. One of my mentors, Gus, is, is one of the most successful people I know. He was president of a couple of companies, served on several boards, and made a whole bunch of money so that essentially he was able to retire at the age of 45. But that's not what made Gus successful. And he'll be the first to tell you. What made Gus successful was the secret to great relationships. 
go back a little bit when I was just had graduated college. I was scuffling a bit in life, trying to find my way forward. And so I sat down with Gus, hoping he'd give me some career advice and just how to make a way in life and, you know, provide some direction on, on where I was headed. But, but instead of offering any advice about that, he actually said this. He said, you know, John, whenever I'm feeling lost, Whenever I'm feeling down in the dumps and, and kind of bad about myself, he said, I go do something for someone else. And that's changed my life in a lot of ways. In other words, he said, go be the friend someone else is looking for. And that's what Gus lived out. Gus has dozens, if not hundreds of great friends because he is an influencing friend. So how can you do that? Text someone this week an encouraging word or scripture, just let them know you're thinking about them. Reach out and ask someone to grab coffee, drop off some cookies at a neighbor's house. Take someone to go fishing. Invite someone to join you the next time you go out to dinner. Or here's a really simple one. Just reach out and ask this question, how are you doing really? And I'm telling you, these seem small elementary, insignificant, but I'm telling you, people want to be friends with those who ultimately influence them in more positive, Christ-like ways. Don't just wait for the iron to sharpen you. Become the iron who sharpens another. So ask yourself, how can you be an influencing friend this week? Third way is to be devoted to community. In the early church, just after Jesus had died and resurrected um, back, to, back to life, in this text, as the early church was gathering, I love this, Acts 2.42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. And I want to point out that word, devoted. I love this word, devoted. Because to, to be devoted means to be committed. It means to show up when you say you're gonna show up, to show up when you need to be seen by another person, to follow through with what you said you were going to do, to be there, to be that friend when no one else will be. A little while ago, I wanted to leave the community of friends I was a part of. It's a really significant moment in my life. It sounds dramatic, but, but it kind of was. See, I was ready to, to quit the small group, which was really our strong community that we'd been a part of for, for eight years. There was five couples, 10 adults, and 15-ish kids. I've kind of lost count over the years. But for various reasons, I told my wife, Emily, I was ready to be done. I just, I didn't want to be a part of that community anymore. And so we actually quit. Well, a couple months after that, four of our friends sat us down from this small group and challenged us to reconsider after some conversation back and forth, I was able to say something along the lines of, you know, I no longer feel like I can be myself. It was hard to balance this line of pastor and, and friend. I just, I felt like I needed to avoid tough conversations and it felt like more work than I actually wanted to put in. And after admitting they had a role in some of the ways that had gone sour recently, one of our friends, Rachel, said this to me. She said, John, at the end of the day, we want you to be you. No more, no less. You don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. We don't ever want you to feel like you have to pretend. And if you do feel that way, maybe it's something we're doing or maybe it's a lie you're telling yourself. Honestly, 
We just want whoever you are to be committed to this community. I'm telling you, that conversation changed everything for me. A group of people who were encouraging me, telling me the hard truth, truth I didn't want to hear but needed to hear, and they were asking for more commitment. And since then, our community has never been stronger. I realize not everyone has the gift of a friend who can articulate something to them in this way, but it has changed my devotion to this community. I'm not sure they could kick me out at this point. So what community can you be devoted to? Fourth and final way to be intentional about finding great relationships is this, and maybe this is the most challenging part of the message, but it's to love despite differences. You know, I think one of the unspoken rules of 2020 was this, we have to agree on everything to have a great relationship. Most of us have felt that at some point in the last year, right? I mean, whether it's on Zoom or Facebook, social media, I mean, at work, it just feels like if we don't see eye to eye on the current hot button issue of the day, well, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to be friends. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 17, and this was his prayer. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. See, Jesus' ultimate prayer for you and me is that we would be one. It doesn't mean we won't have differences. It doesn't mean we have to agree on everything we're not going to. It just means we have to have this desire to do this thing together called life. I love what Dr. Tony Evans said. He said, oneness doesn't mean sameness. Oneness means unity of purpose. Again, we don't have to think the same to love each other. We don't have to believe the same to love each other. We can be friends despite our differences. Do you believe that? Now, let me be really clear because this is important for us to understand. I've had to learn this the hard way. There are times you should not be friends with someone because of those differences. I'm not contradicting myself. Just hear me out. Because I started off by talking about the importance of, of choosing your community wisely. Maybe that person you're thinking of is a person that has an addiction that's going to lead you down a path you don't want to go. Maybe that person is someone who persuades you to be someone you're not comfortable being. So you got to be careful. You got to be discerning. You got to be wise. But I'm also saying you don't need to write off every person just because they don't act, believe, or think the way that you do. We all can love each other despite our differences. My grandpa Ralph lived until he was 102 years old, and he was driving up until the age of 98 years old, okay? That's no joke. But born in 1910, part of a generation that was known as the greatest generation, he lived through the Great Depression, two world wars, and 25 presidential political campaigns, which is enough to make anyone 
not want to live any longer, okay? <laughs> but he owned a grocery store in Portland, Oregon for 60 years. He couldn't understand why anyone would buy anything without a coupon or why anyone would spend $4 on a cup of coffee. He's rolling around in his grave seeing that we spend six or $7 now, okay? <laughs> he spent his years shopping for other people paying for their groceries because he could find all these little deals and discounts, cooking every dinner for his wife, my grandma, famously serving up blueberry and Swedish pancakes to his grandchildren and loving his community and church. And out of all of that, I remember two distinct things about him. One, he never ever missed a morning scripture devotion time with his wife and his God. As a kid, I have fond memories of sitting with him as he read this marked up Bible out loud to grandma when she could no longer see or read. I'll, I'll just never forget that. It's permanently marked me. But the second thing I remember, every person he met considered him one of their best friends. Every person. It didn't matter the color of their skin, their background, whether they were a believer or not, their community status, how well off they were or not, who they voted for in the previous election. He treated every person like they were the most important person in the world. In return, my grandpa had friends that lasted a lifetime. Because of those two things, my grandpa Ralph had one of the most unwavering, unshakable spirits you have ever seen. I mean, always full of joy and hope. And nothing, not the Great Depression, not seeing many of his friends, his siblings, much of his family, including his wife of 62 years, passed before him. Not the hopelessness of the world, not $4 Starbucks, not stock market crashes, not politics or world wars, nothing deterred his soul. And since he died several years ago, I, I don't remember many of the stories that he told or, or what he accomplished, but I'll never forget his relationship with God and his relationships with other people. See, friends, we can love despite differences, but we don't need just another good relationship, you know? Maybe we've got those. What we need is a faith relationship. First with God, in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to begin that relationship with him and maybe you never have. Maybe you've never taken that step. You found that friendship with this heavenly father we talk about. Maybe you've never confessed your sin, admitted you've tried to do life on your own. Maybe you've never established that relationship with him. He's seeking you out and maybe you've never received that type of relationship. I'm gonna give you a, a, a chance to do that in just a moment. But we also need real relationships with people that's more than just being buddies, more than just coworkers, more than just classmates. We need relationships with a spiritual component that make us stronger in faith and help us in our relationship with Jesus. There's all kinds of places to experience community, and maybe it is at work. Maybe it's at your kid's sports activities with other parents or in your neighborhood. But if we're going to go deeper in faith, 
And if we're going to go deeper as a church here at Westbridge, if we're going to have Westbridge, if we're going to have the kind of uh, relationships that our future self will thank us for, there's no better way than to be a part of a small group. Small groups inspire and invite us to pursue intentional community. And while it may be uncomfortable at first, especially when you just get started, there's no better way, I'm telling you, to find the kind of relationships your future self will thank you for. So after I'm done, someone's going to come up and explain just how to do that. Let me pray for everyone. Heavenly Father, just really grateful to be at a church like Westbridge, a church that loves each other, that, that does their best to follow you, God, imperfect as it is, admitting that we fall well short. God, you are a God who loves us despite those things, and it's that grace, that mercy that we're so grateful for. Thanks for the freedom to worship you. Thanks for the ability to come together as a community to learn more about you, to learn more from your word. I pray for all the moms and maybe soon-to-be moms, wannabe moms, people who are just uh, working through their own relationship with their mom. God, I pray that everywhere that uh, women in their motherhood would feel blessed today. And then I'm also thinking about those people who've never taken a step of faith, who've never put their trust, their hope in your son Jesus. And if that's you, I want to give you just a moment to pray silently along with me to establish the best friendship that you could possibly have. Just follow along in your own heart with me. Lord, I admit that I've tried to do life on my own. I know you're out there. There's some sense that you're real and there. And I want to take a step of faith and begin that relationship with you. I confess that I, I sin, I screw up, I've done things I shouldn't do. But I'm grateful that you still receive me and love me, that you died for me on the cross, that you came back to life to defeat those sins in my past, God, those sins in my present, those sins in my future. And I want to begin that relationship with you. I want to experience that kind of friendship. And then for everyone here, I pray a blessing over you that our communities would go, grow stronger, that we'd be the type of friends that other people are looking for, that we'd be a light in some hopeless situations. I pray that we would influence one another to grow closer to you, to become wiser, to become more devoted, to become better husbands and wives and moms and dads and coworkers and friends and grandpas and grandmas, God. We just want to be better at being in community so that, so that we can bring light to this world so that we can represent you more wherever we go, whatever community we are a part of. We're just grateful. Thank you for being a part of our lives and for teaching us something today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.